Well, good morning. I am not Pastor Alex, so I won't be needing the tissues. So uh, we'll just throw those over there, and uh, we'll get rolling this morning. How's that? Well, it is good to be with you this morning. We have felt your love over the last few weeks, and we are falling in love with this church and the opportunities we're getting in this church. And uh, through the interview process, one of the things I wanted to really stress to uh, the church board and uh, the, the, the group that we talked with is uh, Sydney, my wife and I, we come from her home church and a church that really embraced me. And I said, I need to know more than anything that this church is going to be a church that supports us, that loves us, and that just walks alongside of us in our life together. And I, we have felt that confidently in the last few weeks. But as we live life together, we want to share some exciting news with you. I don't know if you've met my wife yet, but she's obviously pregnant. And uh, we found, well, we found out this last week, but we had all kind of family come in. And we had a big gender reveal party because that's just what you do these days. And uh, we shared with our family that we are having a baby girl. And uh, we are excited about that. Her name will be Hadley Faye Hall. Hadley and Faye are both family names on my side and both Sydney's side of the family. So we're excited about that. And we are thrilled uh, that you, our church family, will be able to walk alongside of us and, and help us in that endeavor. Well, we are gonna talk this morning as we begin this unbalanced message, this unbalanced series about what it looks like to live a life that is, that is balanced, to live a life that is maybe even unbalanced in ways. And one of the ways, uh, well, let me just do the start by this this morning. Turn to your neighbor and ask your neighbor, what's on your calendar this week? What is it you got going on? Maybe even answer them. What do you have going on in your life this week? So I don't know if you gave real answers, but here's what I want to illustrate from that question. I could probably take a look at your calendars and I could look at your week this week and I could tell you what exactly it is that you value in your life. What exactly is it that is most important to you as you set forth for a new week this week? I, um, my family's here, so I, I preach from a personal experiences. So th this is a little different, uh, having my family here, because nowadays when we get together, we tell stories and we share stories from years past. And, and, and it's always the same argument. One of us doesn't remember the story the right way. Isn't that true? So... Uh, I know my mom will agree with this. I wasn't the most model of students. Um, I, I, I could have been, but I just didn't put my efforts in, in the ways of school. And, and, but, and I realize that now, and I tried better when I was in college. But I remember this instance in high school. Now, I was coming up through high school, and, and God called me to ministry in my sophomore year, but I loved cars, and, and I was uh, very interested in a life that dealt with auto mechanics, and some buddies of mine were uh, as well, and I had a subscription to CarCraft magazine. It's one of the older uh, magazines that deals more with classic cars, and, and, and I remember I was reading a CarCraft at the table, and my mom, in a moment of frustration, because I'd probably just told her how bad I was doing in some classes, I remember her coming in and said, you know, if you would just put half as much effort into school as you do those car magazines or learning about different mechanics and whatnot, you might actually do okay. And I remember that. But, and that's a very insignificant event. But through the years, uh, as I, I got into college and as I've uh, gotten out to in the professional world and, and as I'm beginning to grow my family, that simple little story rings with me. What is it that I'm placing emphasis on in my life? 
What is it that I'm putting my time and my efforts into? Here's an even more personal question. What is it that I'm putting my, well, I don't have a checkbook, but what does my bank account go to? I could ask you this morning to, to look at your transaction history and probably tell you exactly what it is that you value in life. And here's the truth about that. We struggle with placing value on the right things. So what is most important in your life this morning? What is most important on Sunday morning as we look forward to a new year? This, or not, well, we're still kind of in the beginning of a new year. We have these, box up, these boxes illustrated with different aspects of your life. Uh, we've got family, and, and I'm going to point to one and call it, but it's probably out of order, but family and friends, we've got school, we've got our hobbies, we've got learning, we've got our finances, and these boxes all illustrate our life. Our church, we've got God up here, and we live a life, and we live in a culture that says you need to balance your life. You've got to have time for your family, you've got to have time for your church, time for God, you've got to have time for your finances, time for your hobbies, time for sports, all these things that you're interested in. Balance them well. Make sure that everything has good time in your life. Make sure that you give to each aspect of your life. And we're going to talk here in just a minute about why that's a problem. See, I... Um, my mother-in-law is also here, and she goes to this nail salon, and, and I, her, her, uh, the guy that does her nails, I think, is, is Buddhist, and so she, she shares with him about her life, and they have a good relationship, I guess, and, and she says, you know, this is what's going on, or this is what's stressful at work, and he always says, Dara, you've got to find your center. Find your center. Find the balance in your life. And the moment she does that, she just starts rolling her eyes, I know, because this is the way the world tells us to go, and I'm telling you, that's sounds really good. It sounds really nice to have uh, the time set aside for your family and the time set aside for your hobbies and, and the time for your spiritual growth and the time for all this in your life and your friends. But in Matthew 22, turn there with me. It's where we're going to go here in just a moment. Matthew 22, we find that Jesus says this is all wrong. And this is why I love um, what I love learning about the life of Jesus because he comes in and he just says, listen, Y'all have been doing this wrong for so long. Let me just flip this upside down. Let me show you what, what, what you really need to understand about a life with me. So go with me to Matthew 22. We're going to be in verse 34 <clears throat> through 38. And we'll start reading there this morning as soon as I find it as well. Matthew 22, 34 through 38 reads like this. Jesus replied, your mistake is that you don't know the scriptures. I started too early. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they met hit together to question him again. One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all of your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. See, here's what we've got to understand here, that, that in, in this situation, the, the Pharisees are trying to trap Jesus. They're trying to, to get him to say an answer that would associate him with one particular people group. And they're trying to, to, to really to off him as the, the, the Messiah for everyone. But Jesus comes back with an answer and says, listen, I want you to know that all these things have great importance, but there's nothing more important than love of the Father. There's nothing more important than elevating me, elevating my God, my Father, to a level that is far above anything else. And that's the issue here. See, what we do is we live our life, 
This is our life right here. We live our life and we say, I've got time for my family, time for hobbies or whichever one that one is, time for my school, time for friends, right? Time for uh, work, time for maybe church. I've got time for God towards the end and time for this one right there again. But the issue with that is this. All of these things in and of themselves, there's nothing wrong with them. These are good things. But the problem is the time for God, the effort we put into God didn't come until halfway down. And for some of us, it even looks like this. For some of us, we say, man, work. It's all about work. It's all about work. It's all about work. Uh, My family, my friends, they get some of it. Where is God in the mix? Where is God in this issue? The reason that God is down here at the end is because we've placed him there. And God, or Jesus in Matthew 22 says, no, I'm to be elevated The love of God is to be the very first thing in your life. And so what this looks like is all of a sudden, it's not my wants, my desires. It's not me trying to balance my life and saying, I've got time for family, time for friends. It's no, God is number one in my life. God is the very first thing I think of when I wake up. God's the last thing I think of when I go to bed because everything that is within me wants to be so wrapped up in the life of Jesus that I can't give it to anything else until I give to God first. And what's really cool is when this happens, it's not Andrew the employee, it's not Andrew the family man, it's not Andrew and his hobbies or Andrew and his church, it's God alongside of Andrew giving to his family. It's God alongside of Andrew giving to his hobbies or his friends or God alongside of Andrew handling the finances. And all of a sudden, when we allow that to be the way that we live our life, we transform our abilities. We transform the the opportunities that we have. See, because I, I can be the best family man that I can try to be, But if I allow God to come into the mix, if I, uh, first off in the morning, love God with all of my heart, soul, and my mind, then I'm going to be a better husband and father to Sidney and Hadley. I'm going to be a better friend to those that truly need a love and a touch of Christ in their life. I'm going to be a better youth pastor to the students that need me. I'm I'm going to be better when it comes to handling finances and what's important and what's not because it's not Andrew doing these things, but it's the power of Christ through the love that he has for me putting into these areas of my life. So the question this morning is not are you living a balanced life, but are you living an unbalanced life compared to what the world tells you? Because the world says balance these things out, but God says no. I should be the number one thing in your life. I should be the first and foremost, and I should be the one that helps pour into these other areas of your life. The Pharisees trying to trick Jesus once again fall up short. But there's, a, there's a, another thing I want to elevate here is when you talk about the love of God, he says, love me with all of your heart. Love me with all of your soul and all of your mind. Well, there's your very real difference in loving God with your heart, your soul, and your mind. See, I can, I can know with my mind that I need to be in community with Jesus. I can know with my mind that I've got to give more to my life with God. But knowing that that needs to be a reality and with my heart truly wanting that are two totally different things. Knowing with my heart or knowing with my mind and wanting with my heart are two very different things. Because there's a real difference in knowing we need to be with God and our hearts actually wanting to be found in his presence. There's a very real difference in our minds knowing we need to be with God and our hearts truly wanting to be found in his presence. See, I have, uh, you'll come to know as as you know me more, I have a very unhealthy relationship with Dr. Pepper. Um, I love it. 
I, I don't like to eat unless I have a cup of Dr. Pepper. It just doesn't, it doesn't happen. Those two go hand in hand with me, and they go together often. So I love Dr. Pepper, I, and I know, especially at the beginning of a new year when you talk about resolutions and, and changing your life and removing things from your life and adding other things that are good, I know that, man, I don't need to drink that much soda. I know that with my mind. But when I go sit down with Alex and we're having wings or sliders or whatever it is, and man, my heart, it speaks another thing. My heart begins to want what my mind is telling me I don't need. And there's an issue there because there's a very big difference between needing and wanting. So I ask you this morning, what is it that you need this morning and is your heart allowing yourself to desire that and actually want it in your life? That's a goofy illustration with the Dr. Pepper, but I find this to be very real in other areas of my life. Sydney and I are ecstatic about our, our soon-to-be child, and, and those of you who are parents know where we're at. We know the, you know the anticipation and the excitement we're going through, but the truth is we, we struggled. It, it took us um, almost three years to get pregnant, and for some of our friends, that's a very long time who got pregnant right away, and for others of our friends, they, it took them dec- a decade or so to get pregnant, but for us, that was, that was a problem with us, and, and there was a point where I knew that I needed to invite God into that uh, environment. I knew that we had to pray for it. And I knew that I had to be a strong prayer warrior for, for and with Sydney. But at the beginning, I didn't want to. At the beginning, I didn't want that to be the thing because I was upset and it was frustrating. And, and I was getting more and more kind of angry with the fact that it wasn't happening. And, but there was a very real transition that took place when the routine, mundane prayers of, God, please help us in this area, shifted and changed to, God, I I want you to be a part of this. I don't need you, but I want you to be a part of this. I want you to come and and find yourself here. And I'm not saying that as soon as that happened, we got pregnant, but there was a very different understanding, a very different presence in in, in those times together. There was all of a sudden an an eager anxiousness that that was uh, taken away because God was making himself known and very confident in our life. See, there's a difference between needing God and wanting God. This morning, are you coming in here because you need to follow your routine of coming to church? Or are you finding yourself in church this morning because you truly want to be found in the presence of God this morning? As we move on from uh, Matthew 22, I, I really like Hebrew culture. So when you find um, the, the Old Testament, um, I don't consider myself an academic person. I don't consider myself a, an Old Testament theologian by any means. But the, the, the Hebrew culture you find in the Old Testament is really interesting for many reasons. And one of those reasons is when they believe in something, they truly believe in it. It becomes part of their rituals. It becomes a part of their daily lives. The, the words that they speak actually begin to sound like what it is they're trying to illustrate. The way that the Hebrews speak is very interesting. And this is why it's important for you, church, as you read your Bibles each week, not to just read it for face value, but begin to, if a word pops out to you, uh, look that word up. Begin to get a better understanding of what a word means. And Jesus, by far, was the best Old Testament theologian because in Deuteronomy, turn there with me, Deuteronomy 6, we find this uh, passage of Scripture we refer to as the Shema. Deuteronomy chapter 6, we're going to be in verse 4. The Shema is the oldest recited Scripture 
in the Hebrew Jewish tradition. They would recite this in the morning and they recite it in the evening. It is so important and so foundational to their beliefs and their tradition that it is the oldest and the most often recited prayer that they have. And it, it sounds like this, Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. It sounds a lot like Matthew 22, right? Jesus knew what he was talking about. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you're on the road. Read the, um, sorry, when you are going to bed and when you are getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorpost of your homes and on your gates. Whew. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Here's what's really cool about that passage. Not only is it something so foundational to the, to the Jews at that time and even today that they recite it often, but hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. We would read that as the number one, but here's what's really interesting about that. It, it's not just holding a numerical value here. The, the word echad for one holds more than just a numerical value. It means the only one. The definite one, the one and only. See, in my, I, I read from the NLT, so it looks a little different from yours, but it, it actually says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. There is no other option. There is no other thing that can stand in the place of God. But the problem is when we unbalance our lives like this, my family begins to take the place of God. My hobbies begin to take the place of God. The things that I want, the things that I have my hand in, they take the place of God. But here's the truth about these things. These, th these items have no value. These items hold the value of zero because nothing about them gives to me, right? Nothing about them that I do can give them value. The only thing that gives something value is the one that creates that item, right? I'm a part of a lot of online uh, sales, buy and sell groups on Facebook. I do a lot on Craigslist. And every time someone posts an item, there's always that one person says, listen, why is that so expensive? Why are you posting that for so much? And then there's always that other person that comes along and says, listen, it's his, it's hers. They can post it for whatever they want, right? It's the owner that gives the value. It's the creator that gives the value to these things. So if I myself am trying to put value into my work, into my family, I can't put value into that because I'm not the one who created myself. I can only find my value in the arms and the life of Jesus. Because Jesus is the one that spoke breath and existence into my life. Jesus is the one whose hand molded me out of the clay, right? So if I'm not finding myself in the reality of God, there's no way I can put value into these things of my life because value only comes from Akkad, right? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. The Lord is the one who puts value into our life. But one more situation we've got to understand we can put as much time and effort into God as we want. We can put as much uh, of our life to God, but if we're still uh, organizing things in this structure, if we're still putting all of these zeros, all of these things in our life before God, that one is still only worth one, right? But when we allow God to be the one, when we allow God to take his place at the very front of our life, when we put him at the beginning, all of a sudden, God 
adds exponentially so much more value to the rest of our life. All of a sudden, it wasn't just the one at the end, but now it's this huge number that we didn't put value into, but us through God, putting him at the front of our life made so much value into the rest of our life. So all of a sudden, when I'm dealing with that financial crisis in my life, it's not me trying to fix it myself, but it's God through me working in that situation or that person that I really struggle to love, right? That person that just gets on my nerves and grinds my gears the wrong way. I can't love them. But God, at the right place in my life, through me, can love them for me. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is the one, is the only one that matters, not before any of these other things. We have got to find, sorry, we have got to allow ourselves to understand the difference between need and the difference in want. Jesus, referencing the Old Testament in Deuteronomy, tells us in Matthew 22, as the Pharisees are trying to trip him up, Jesus, what is most important in the commandments of Moses? What is it that you would elevate? What is the most important thing for us to do throughout the week? And I don't know if you've ever looked at the law of Moses, but there's a lot that goes into that. Jesus simply says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your being, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. So this morning, church, we come from a lot of different places in our life. We come uh, from different struggles. We come from different triumphs. But it doesn't matter where you come from. We tend to live a very unbalanced life. Well, balanced, according to the world. We struggle with having our hand here and, and having the control in here. But I ask you this morning, what is it that your heart is set on? What is it that you come in here with your heart desiring? Do you desire to maintain control in your life? Do you desire to, allow, to, 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 to control your family, to control your friends? Do you desire that, that you would have the control of your money? Are you at a place where you would be so wrapped up in the life of God, that you would be so wrapped up in the capabilities and the ideas that, that God would infuse into your life that you say, you know what, I'm, I'm done with doing things this way, but I wanna allow myself to, be, to, to put God at an elevated place in my life. I'm telling you, God wants to be there. God wants to be up here so that as we give in to God, as we give in to God, he gives into that area of our life and, and he loves our friends with us and for us. And he allows himself to be used in a way that we could never have done on our own. I... I love when God shows off in my life. I love when God just says, Andrew, take a step back. Let me be the one. Let me be at that place in your life and let me show you what I can do. Because I tend to think that I've got great ideas in, in areas. I, I tend to think that I, I can love my family well and I can love people well or I can handle my finances or balance my hobbies and my work really well. But what I find out more often than not is that my idea of good is not near the idea of what God can produce in me. My idea of good doesn't even come close to the realm of what God desires for me. And church, it's true for you this morning as well. You come in here and you've got great ideas for your life, you've got great aspirations, and, and all these things that, that these boxes represent are good. 
But when they begin to take the place of God, when they begin to, to overtake God's inspiration in our life, they no longer become a good thing. And the truth is we are living in a church right now that puts so many things above God. Because here's the issue. When we put God up here, he at some point is going to tell us, Andrew, I know you want to go to that thing on a Sunday morning, but you know what? I need you to be in church. I need you to give to the life of your church, and I'm not going to want that. That's going to be a struggle for me because I want to be out here doing this, that, or the other because God is not elevated in my life. Or Andrew, you know that person who you work alongside and and man, I know they just get on your nerves and I know that, but they need some hope this morning. I need you to speak to them. Well, when God's down here, that person just falls by the wayside because I can't do that by myself. But when God is put up here, all of a sudden, I can love that person. I can love that person with everything that I am because it's not me loving them, but it's God through me loving them what I'm spending my money on or what I'm spending my time doing uh, in my free time with my hobbies. That's where the trouble comes because if I allow God to be elevated, I don't make my own decisions all by myself anymore. But God inspires me and God leads me. And that's scary. Church, I get it. That's, man, I'm a control freak. I struggle with that. That's hard to do. So wherever you find yourself this morning, church, wherever you find yourself, I want to invite you. We're going to sing and you're going to stand here in just a moment. But we are in a day where church, this social life of of church and this this time where we give of ourselves to worship and where we receive from God and, and we find ourselves here because we can't get enough of who God is, those days have gone by the wayside. And it has led to a very unbalanced relationship in many of our lives. And I'm beginning to fall in love with this church and and maybe I'm touching on buttons you're not comfortable for me to touch yet, but I'm telling you this morning, we have got to get back to a point where God is elevated. And that means even when we don't wanna do something, we allow God to stay elevated so that he can empower us to do that in our lives. We're gonna sing this morning. I'm gonna invite you. These altars are an incredible place to come and humble yourself before God. Stand with us as we sing. If God's speaking to you, don't ignore this time this morning.